welcome to Doctor Who's line, is it? Anyway, where everything's made up and neither script nor canon matters. Lovely, lovely, lovely listeners, and welcome back to Doctor Who's line, is it? Anyway, this week we're going to continue the conversation that we started in the last episode and conclude our conversation regarding Christopher Eccleston's return to the role of Doctor Who and obviously the various meanderings that the conversation takes as a result of that. So, over to me and to Darren and Sue and Randy and this is what we had to say about it. If you look at one of my favourite stories, Invasion of the Dinosaurs, I mean, the dinosaurs are... Mm-hmm. Well... <laughs> <laughs> the dinosaurs are, are, aren't, aren't actually bad in Invasion of the Dinosaurs until you want them to move, and that's where the problem mm-hmm. lies in. Well, yeah. You know, there are, there are, some, there are some decent dinosaur scenes in Invasion of the Dinosaurs Uh, and you have to consider as well that Invasion of the Dinosaurs was was basically 1974 1974 wouldn't it 73, 74 so but if you use your imagination oh god yeah they're they're, it's a fantastic story I don't care what the effects are Mm -hmm. like and because the actual concept of the story is just genius and it's 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 the case with an awful lot of Doctor Who is that you you don't show that much of the monster for two reasons no one to continue the suspense as to you know because making people want to see the monster and secondly because nine times out of ten they couldn't (laughs) do with the monster what they wanted to do with the monster and it was safest to just hide it from sight because otherwise people would be going oh look at that oh dear you know if you saw it too too clearly or in in too too uh, sharp a light or what have you so Mm. you know take the the giant rat in talents of wang chiang as an example for that Mm -hmm. you know they they clearly they did what they could to create a massive rat that they could act alongside with but clearly the more, the more sensible option would have been to do what do you remember Darren the new avengers did a giant rat episode very very vaguely yeah it was it was called Nause, as i remember as obviously <laughs> a, as a as a as a play on jaws um, but but they basically just took a normal rat and false perspective did so yeah. that it looked larger than it was and that would probably have been a better option if they could have just got scenes of a rat looking like it was going for something you know you, you couldn't have actually had it gnawing on Leela's leg so there were possibly ways and means around that but they had to try and come up with something because they felt the story needed it and that was the best that they could do with what they had and it, you know it wasn't a complete disaster but it was clearly probably the weak point of the story and this is the case so many times to create something that you want to look sensational but ultimately has to be somebody in a suit or two men doing a puppet thing with something or what have you and it is what it is and there's only so much that you can do with it yeah to have 
come up with so many fantastic creations as they have that have worked is tremendous but there are always going to be those ones that you know just the tar and wood beast and the shriven zal <laughs> and the chumblies <laughs> things yeah. like that, that that people look at and go uh, okay yeah all right we'll uh, we'll let that one pass but you know we're looking at it with eyes of an adult to a child we're also, we're also looking at it with eyes from the current time Mm-hmm. And right. Believe right. me, in 1973, when you saw, you know, the dinosaurs in Invasion of the Dinosaurs, you didn't think, "Oh, that looks rubbish." No. You actually, right. you actually, you know, I mean, yeah, I, was, I mean, I was. I grew up watching Godzilla and stuff like that, and the yeah. sort of, you know, the the old 40s and 50s or 50s, yeah, whatever they were, the Japanese ones and things like that, and some of the animation effects or whatever it's called, the stop motion effects, yeah were really ropey, but it, it drew you into the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, even the the big rat, the the massive rat going for, for Lilo, that, just the idea of that to a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even to an adult that doesn't particularly like rats, and I happen to love them, but, it, you know, doesn't particularly like rats, all you have to do is plant that in their head. It's just like, what instead of gnaws, like jaws, mm-hmm. they never showed that first leg coming off of that that swimmer they showed her being pulled under yeah they never showed underneath and then you saw a little bit of something surfacing on the surface which was blood and then she was pulled under again and when she started screaming Mm -hmm. the only thing you saw was her being pulled off the buoy you never saw anything the shark was just because pictures of a shark right Uh your head made up what was going on yeah yeah Yeah. exactly exactly in a really bad way and i mean this was the same thing. You can you can take that entire season, season eleven, and you've got the the city of the Exelons, where there was the the root yeah robot thing that was that wasn't too bad. You've got Agador mm-hmm. in Monster of Peladon, that's a superb mm-hmm. costume, but ultimately is obviously a man in a suit. And you've also got the spiders in Planet of the Spiders, which. Yeah, you know, some of them individually, you might yeah. go, yeah, yeah, but I, I thought they did an incredible job oh, yeah. with those yeah. Yeah. models and, um, and to make them move, and <laughs> mm-hmm. they shot them in such a way that, that they, there, there wasn't an element of them being convincing. Mm-hmm. And like I say, you know, this was looking at them from the eyes of 1974, where you thought, oh, bloody hell, that's good. You know, I mean the giant, the giant maggots. You know, only just before mm-hmm. the end of season ten, mm-hmm. you know, they were they were um, inflated condoms, weren't they? A lot of them, and and yet yeah, you and lost many people for their memories from oh. the John Pertwee era, and <laughs> people will almost invariably go, oh, "I remember the one with the giant maggots," mm-hmm. you know, because it was something that stuck in the mind, and they did it really well. And when it's done really well, it's mm-hmm. and even if it's not done really really well but they they shoot it in such a way that it comes across well then you know you do you do get away with it yeah and the mind plays tricks the word mm-hmm. maggot gives you an impression you could like like whipped a condom in the air it didn't make a difference the word maggot is there and it's oh god yeah. that's maggot yeah. for me that the word spider the word rat yeah. uh, the word rat or the word spider oi yeah. uh no? You say the yeah, word spider, there's... I don't care if the thing just kind of is a little plastic dude moving across the floor. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. 
uh-uh. which is one of the reasons why I'm slightly surprised that when they they come up for for ideas for new monsters that they don't go down the insect route more often because hmm. insects are obviously things that we live with all all the time yeah. but mm-hmm. they stay they are the most alien of the creatures that we live with on the planet they mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know you've got mammals and reptiles and fish and birds and what have you and they're all fairly much of a muchness and they, they there's a there's a logic to them but insects a lot of insects just just look totally alien mm-hmm. apart from octopuses yeah well <laughs> my favorite animal i've got to squeeze them in there but yeah i mean i mean look at ark in space the wirren oh yeah mantis can you Im- can you imagine the wirren done now yeah oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah with cgi oh, you know you can keep the basic concept of the wirren um that'd be phenomenal but, but imagine the movement that they'd have mm-hmm. you know i mean you look at you look at some of the shots from the from the from the ark in space with the wirren going over the uh, over nerva beacon from the outside mm-hmm. and they again a model shot they they keep it as brief as they can they shoot it as from as far away as they can so that these things have some sort of thing but it's clearly a bunch of little little figures on the strings just being pulled along Mm-hmm. Trying to make it look as realistic as possible, and you, you get away with it because you're captured up in the in the atmosphere of the story. Mm-hmm. But if you imagine what they could do with that now, you know, I mean, look back to um, the unicorn and the wasp when we had a mm-hmm. giant wasp flying around that looked, you know, very wasp-like, very very <laughs> wasp-like indeed. And you you apply that to you know to something like the Wirren. I've I've long mm-hmm. been an advocate of of the Wirren returning because I think there's. There's plenty of scope for that, and obviously they have returned. Going back to our original topic on audio, several times. Yeah, destination, destination, Nerva. And yeah, we're in dawn. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do with the we're in. There's the whole insect side of things, the insect culture. There's the there's the body horror thing. There's the harvesting on animals and people. There's you know there's a lot to revisit there. Yeah, and they've got such a bloody good name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which if if you remember in in the 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 Ark in Space novel that Ian Martyr did, he added an extra R into Wirren hmm. to make it seem more alien. So instead of it being W I double R N, it was W I triple R N. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You you go and read Ark in Space, and you'll find oh. Wirren with three R's, which is uh, <laughs> a small, funny little sort of aside, but yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, love the Wirren. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was angling for the Zygons to come back more than anything, really. But the the Wirren, the Wirren and the Crinoids were were uh, were not that far behind. Very. But now there's there's an interesting thing. The Zygons, when they brought them back, I don't think they looked as good as the originals. Oh, they didn't. No. There's no question. There's no question. They made them which look is quite re- too yeah, which too fierce and and not baby-like enough because they were scarier. I think when they looked more like fetuses. Yeah, and that's quite a testament to the costume design in the seventies. Oh yes, it was superb. Well, it's John Friedlander, isn't it? John Friedlander, who came up with the with the masks for the Zygons and created the Zygons, came up with the masks for the Draconians, you know, and he was the he was the go-to man for the monsters back then. There's and another one that should return the Draconians. They were yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, and again. You know, some something else that has been revisited on audio, mind you. There's not much that hasn't been revisited on audio, really. No, 
And some of those stories are particularly good. Have you heard the Nymon one? Yes, yeah. Oh, that was that was good. I, I won't tell you what it's called in, in case. <laughs> well, I can't, one because I can't remember, and two because I don't want to spoil it. But the fact that it's the Nymon is is brilliantly hidden until they actually appear. Mm. Yeah, and it's like, whoa, hang on a second. <laughs> and I always thought the Nymons were were quite underrated. I thought they were they were more effective than than people gave them credit for. I thought the voice for the Nymon was superb. Uh-huh. That sort of swirling, growling noise, and the costume I think worked well because it it was clearly a bull and it was very black. And I think that in itself mm. hit a lot of potential flaws. They possibly didn't move as well as they could, and again, something that would look very good redone on CGI. Well, just look what they did with the um, with the Minotaur in um, the oh um, God Complex. God Complex, that's the one, yeah, God Complex. You know, the Minotaur in there was uh, was a beautiful creation. Mm. And you could imagine, you know, again, what they would have done with the Nymon had they had that kind of you know, capacity to do that back in, back in 1981. No, 1980. 1980, that would have been. Actually, uh, 1979. I was always rather fond of the Mandrels as well in yeah. Um, ah. yeah. Nightmare of Eden. I thought they were rather nice. Yeah. I, I I don't think that season did badly for monsters really. You had the Jaggeroth, you had the Daleks and Davros. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. the, the wolf weeds were a little <laughs> bit, little bit silly, but <laughs> yeah. you, you know, again, considering what uh, what they had to work with, uh, and as a concept, it was quite scary. The idea that a, a bunch of weeds could suddenly attack you. Um, there's not many people with with a garden that wouldn't find that quite scary. <laughs> and then obviously the mandrels and the nymon. So yeah, I don't think I don't think they did badly for monsters then. And I think as time went on, it they they began to struggle a bit more coming up with new decent ideas for for monsters. There wasn't that that much really that came about that visually was you know was that great after that. I mean the we've we've mentioned the famazi that suffered from looking a bit fabricy. Uh the marshmen were good. Yes, I love the marshmen. Mm-hmm. The marshmen were very good. But then there's not really any other monsters in the rest of the series. You've got the giant vampires from State of Decay, we don't really mm-hmm. see them. The Terraleptors were good. The Terraleptors I thought were very good. <laughs> but again, you know, apart from them and the Xerophin, there's n- and and Monarch, there's and this, obviously we've got the Cybermen, but the Cybermen are a recurring monster, so mm-hmm. there was nothing really new that else that came out in that season of note. Following series was uh, was all recurring stuff, and then you get back to Davison's last last season. Uh, you've got the Silurians and the Sea Devils that reappear, um, mm-hmm. and they tried to bring the Merker in, and we know how well that worked. <laughs> yes, that that was wonderful. <laughs> the Malice, I thought, as the little tiny thing on the wall, was quite good. Um, but other than that, I, it was—I don't know—I I, just—I don't think there was enough movement in it for it to, it to work well. Again, if that had been CGI, that could have been really scary. Mm. But then, what else have you got in in the season? You know, you've got, you've got the Tractators. Whoa! <laughs> you're onto on a winner with the Tractators. Mm. Not really a monster in Planet of Fire. The Daleks, obviously, in the Dalek story, and then you end up with the uh, the gastropods. So. You know, you you you've not really come up with a classic monster, and I think, like you said, Darren, it's the Terraleptals are probably the last of the really good monster designs until yeah. you get to. I think you're looking at the Destroyer. 
mm. from Battlefield. Yeah, I thought mm-hmm. that was that was That's one of the best fantastic things. Fantastic design. Yeah, but you you know you and, try and think of any other any other and the Hemovorus, Obviously, they were phenomenal. The Tetraps. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, they were they were less phenomenal. Less phenomenal. Um, oh, Mistress Bitch! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we improved them immensely. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. The gods of Ragnarok. Well, again, they didn't look like stone. They looked like no. people in rubber costumes. Unfortunately, the clowns <laughs> were scary, but that's just because clowns are scary. That's nothing mm-hmm. to do with creating a monster design. The Hemovores were awesome. Yeah. They yeah, have. Mm. Uh, they, yeah, <laughs> I was never that struck on the Hebrew Wars. I can understand why they're they're quite well regarded, and they're definitely not bad, and they're one of the better monster designs, I would say, that, that came out in the latter years. But I still maintain that the uh, the 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 ancient one is a sea devil. The ancient mm. Hemovore, I think, is a sea devil because if you look at it, it looks, it looks bloody like a sea devil. And if it's from that long ago, then it wouldn't. It would probably predate humanity anyway, so it probably would be. Well, you never know. I think that's quite cute. The ancient one. He's sort of. He's got like kind of a really adorable little face. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of want to give him biscuits and make him a cup of tea. <laughs> But that takes you to the end of the classic series, and mm-hmm. you know, and then you've got to you've got to wait till the show comes back to, to to find a, another really good monster design. And there have been there have been a few since it's come back. I don't think that they've come up with a design that's really original. That really, I think the the silence. But but I mean the thing is, you you, you look at the stuff that's come out since the show's come back you've got the weeping angels which are based on statues so that's not that that's basically just statues you've got the ood are quite good it has to be said the ood mm-hmm. are quite good but then yeah i like the ood that's quite simplistic because it's basically it's a boiler suit and a mask so that's that's quite easy to get away with the reapers i thought were tremendous mm. uh, i really yeah. like them as a, as an idea but they've obviously they've only been uh, been on the once the less said about the Jagrafess <laughs> and the Absorbaloff, mm-hmm. I think the better. Uh, yes. Yeah, the Silence, obviously very good, but they, again, they're sort of based on the little grey men that we already know. Uh, the Jadoon, rhinos. Yeah, take them or leave them. You possibly need to look at something like the Weevils from Torchwood, really, as, as something mm-hmm. that's actually quite a good, quite a good design. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult trying to, you know. They had it in the in the show in the early days, trying to predict what was going to be the thing that was going to be like the next Daleks, and desperately trying to come up with something. And yeah. every now and again, they they'd strike gold with something, like obviously with the Cybermen, and then the Ice Warriors. Clearly, they that was a good design that worked. Uh, the Autons was a brilliant idea. I thought the Ogrons mm-hmm. were great, but they were oh, the Ogrons were lovely. They were gorgeous design. They were limited I suppose in their in their use because of being thick and kind of being mercenaries really but you know that was a, that was a good idea don't tell Gruntly that <laughs> <laughs> well he's he's clearly one of the more intelligent Ogrons <laughs> yeah involved the ability to use Twitter for a start <laughs> no complications so you know coming up with a really good monster idea is is very difficult and there were a couple of patches when the show really seemed to do it well, which was obviously during Troughton's time, when 
you know, you've got the Yeti and the Ice Warriors. Although, having said that, you've got the Yeti and the Ice Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that was one of the things that surprised me with Terror of the Zygons. I mean, they brought up this most amazing creation, mm-hmm. and then they never brought them back again. No. No. I, I was always amazed they never reused the Zygons. Yeah. But particularly when you consider that the Zygons could didn't have to look like the Zygons most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they could be anything at any point. So and and so having a shape shifting alien is quite cheap for the budget a lot of the time. And yet the idea wasn't wasn't revisited. So a little bit surprising from that because there was never anything like that. I mean, we had it with the Rutans as well. They were shapeshifters. Yeah. And I always thought they were they were ripe for return at some point mm-hmm. yeah. because it wasn't that difficult a monster to do, sort of a green blob. But most of the time it could be something else. Which is why I was always stunned that mm-hmm. when they'd introduced Chameleon as a companion and they went, oh, oh, we got a problem with this, this robot doesn't work, oh, we'll stick him in a cupboard and we won't use him again. Yeah. It's like, hello, do you not realise what chameleon is <laughs> chameleon is yeah. basically anything you want chameleon to be so you don't have to have it as a robot you can ha- just have it as the as a person whoever you want it to be and have it like that for a story and then you might need a little bit of a special effect at some point you know to sort of oh well, hang on we'll bring it back to the robot again and just have the robot in one scene at the end you didn't have to have it as the mm-hmm. robot for the whole story at all. So quite why they just sidelined it all the time, I never understood. Because I thought there was, again, there was a lot of potential for Chameleon. Yeah. Very strange. Very strange. So, Christopher Eccleston's back then. <laughs> this, is what we, <laughs> this is what we started talking about. As in our, yeah. our traditional way, we do tend to go off on one. Yeah, so it's it's good. It's good that that these people all keep returning to the show and 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 the best way for them to do it clearly is big finish because the voices generally sound close enough to how they used to sound mm-hmm. to to get away with it whereas clearly you know if you wanted Colin Baker to come back as the doctor he doesn't look like Colin Baker looked in 1984 1985 no and nothing you could do to him would make him look like Colin Baker back then no you know, Peter Davison got away with it in Time Crash because for years he barely changed and he was close enough to how he looked before that you could get away with it with a little bit of script tweaking. And mm. that would be the way you'd have to do it. You'd have to say, oh, right, OK, we've got the Doctor here, but, oh, there's been... Um, it, we, it's cancelled out the time difference and so the Doctor will have aged to an age that he never actually got to because of this. That's the only way that you do it. You do it with a line in the script, but... You can't have them looking the same that they that they did, which you could do if you had David Tennant or Matt Smith you know, back in it. Whether you could do it with Eccleston, I don't know. Fifteen years is a long time. How much has he yeah. fundamentally changed since then? I don't think he looks that different, but you'd need to sort of youthify him up a bit, mm-hmm. a bit, kind of like they did with John Barrowman yeah. when he came back last year. But that was mostly just dyeing his hair, which they overdid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, any more thoughts on on Eccleston's return and you know what we can expect and what this means for the future? I'll take that as a no, then. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I, I like the idea. The enthusiasm <laughs> is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> I think I think it's people's brains. I like that idea of the potential for the pre-Rose stories. Some real possibilities there, I think. Yeah, they've basically they've got two choices, haven't they? They've they've oh, they've got two options with Eccleston. They've got Eccleston with Billy Piper, and they've got Eccleston without Billy Piper. Mm-hmm. If you've got Eccleston with Billy Piper, you've got stories where you can sort of fill in between because they didn't necessarily always lead from one to the other so you get the end of father's day for example before you get to uh, empty child doctor dances it's not a direct this story finishes and this Mm -hmm. story picks up exactly where it left off they could have gone somewhere else in between so there are gaps Mm -hmm. where you could have something else if there's a return for for rose but if you don't have rose then you have to find some way to either have the doctor go off on his own or you have to have the doctor from before he met rose would you all prefer it with or without rose i'd i'd like to see both i think the idea of a pre-rose series is intriguing and there's a lot that you could do with that because you've got this very guilt-ridden doctor this hurt doctor not no pun intended um, you've got this, you know, this doctor that's clearly scarred by the events of the Time War. That's not quite the doctor at this point, trying to sort of find himself, but not quite, not quite able to do it. Needing that that human companion to sort of bring him back to who he who he was. You can explore that with those stories, but you can't then give him another companion unless it's not a human companion and the relationship between them isn't all hunky-dory which they could do but I think just think there's, there's stuff to explore before then and like mm-hmm. I said we, we know that there's stories that they can go to they know they can go to Kennedy we know they can go to the Titanic you know as said but then you don't want there to be too many stories before then because in Rose the idea I think was the Doctor had very recently regenerated clearly He'd had some other some other adventures, but it was like it was the first time he'd seen a mirror because when he looked in the mirror, he was fiddling around with his ears, going oh, <laughs> which implies that the regeneration has been quite recent. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you can have a small amount of stories, which you could potentially link together so that they're all happening in a very short space of time. But if you have two or three seasons of that, then it suddenly well hang on a minute you know this has been months now since the doctor's regenerated why would he suddenly start looking at his ears Hmm. and also the longer the time goes on the more likelihood there is that he would have begun to recover from from the events of the time war so yeah so definitely you could do one series of 12 stories but i think if he's coming back after that you'd need to try and set it at another time Mm -hmm. after rose and that's going to involve them trying to find somewhere where, <laughs> somewhere where, at some point, he can have jaunted off on him on his own, basically. So, quite when that would have been, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the events of the series, Boomtown potentially. They arrive back all together with Jack, and that's another thing. Are we going to see John Barrowman back? Hmm. If Eccleston's back, because there were there were that bunch of stories where he mm-hmm. was part of the crew, so. 
I, I think not beyond the realms of possibility, is it? It's definitely not within the realms of possibility. Let's be honest. If if Eccleston and Billy Piper are back, and someone says to John Barrowman, "John, would you like to?" I don't think you'd get any further than that before he got yes. <laughs> yeah, because he's been clamouring to get back for ages, and he's obviously been happy to do the the big finish torchwood stuff. So, I think he'd definitely be up for that. But then you couldn't have stories with Eccleston against the Daleks, could you? Because it wouldn't fit into the series. No. So you'd have to kind of come up with unique individual stories, or you could have returning monsters, but it would have to be monsters that we hadn't necessarily seen. Of course, there's always the possibility they could have it during the Time War. Hmm. But but could they? Not really. Because the Time War was the War Doctor and it was after the Time War had finished that the War Doctor then regenerated into Eccleston. So ah, Eccle- right. Eccleston wasn't... Because if you remember the events of Day of the Doctor, at the end it's, oh, this body's wearing a bit thin, mm-hmm. and then you had the uh, regeneration when yeah. you started to see Eccleston's face. So the, the Time War had been done by that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think they could. Plus, obviously, you know, the, this was the Doctor that was scarred by the events of the Time War. No, yeah. no longer the War Doctor, the Doctor again, but still not yet quite the Doctor. Tis intriguing, eh? Mm-hmm. It is. So, the question to wrap up then, I think, as we're all obviously keen on this idea of Eccleston returning to the fold, is what would we like to see next? If he's going to do more, what would we like to see next? Or do we think that, you know, the next thing for him to do potentially would be to return to the main show in a maybe the anniversary special for the 60th we have to assume that he was doing big finish and he likes doing it he's going to keep on going to keep on doing it so mm-hmm. so where do they go or does that depend on what they do with this series yeah you're all good with your answers today i've got to say <laughs> is sue still alive take that as a no i'm here I'm just listening. How asleep are you? <laughs> uh, about three fourths. No. <laughs> you mean you didn't hear the a little bit earlier? Not on this occasion. So there to... you have it, listeners. That's that's our thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Write in. Let us know. <laughs> Message us on Twitter. Go to our Facebook group and post something on there. Or send us a rude letter in the post. Something outlandishly rude. Yes. Sue's home address is... (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah, well... uh, (laughs) 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. No. No. I I definitely can't give Darren's home address out because (laughs) it, it might be dangerous. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, uh, why? <laughs> uh, for the very reason that you don't want your your full name known, <laughs> so people can track you down. Well, there is that, yeah. <laughs> so giving your address out would possibly not be the sensible option. <laughs> I'd say what you mean. Some reminders for Darren. Shut the fuck oh, up, woman. Minders for Darren again. This is becoming a regular, a regular thing. Yeah, so. There we have it, listeners. That's that's our thoughts on Christopher Eccleston's return and and uh, 
people returning to Big Finish in general. We are in favour, we would like to see more of it, and we want it to all make sense and to <laughs> to not interfere with the show's logic in a way that detracts from the, the events that have historically happened on the show. I think that's safe to say. Just not too much Rose, please, because she gets on my tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, isn't it? You always used to have Rose right at the top of poles, and I think she's she's still quite well regarded. But there's a there's there's been a bit of a turn of the tide, and in a lot of instances, I think with with Rose, I think it's I don't know whether part of it's because every time it's like, oh well, uh, is Billy Billy Piper going to come back, or could Billy Piper be the new Doctor? It's like, for goodness sake, just leave it, will you? Mm. You know, she she was there to start with. The character worked perfectly well enough as it was. The character's gone now. Mm. We're not we're not averse to seeing her again at some point, but it doesn't I, have to be mm-hmm. every single time. I think when she came back as the moment, that was brilliant. That was a brilliant mm-hmm. way of doing it, of bringing her back. Yeah, yeah, that was a good um, way. And a and a tremendous performance from her as well, because she wasn't Rose exactly. Mm. So it didn't interfere with the with the continuity side of things. I thought that was a, a, a brilliant bit of writing from Stephen Moffat, where who. It has to be said, when he gets it right, boy, does he get it right. Yeah. So we'll see you next week, then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening Bye, to, everyone. to me. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit to Darren. <laughs> and Sue and Randy little... have been here. <laughs> yeah, we have been. Every once in a while. <laughs> Right, yes, so we will be back with one of those. <laughs> oh, sexy, I missed that. We will be back sometime in the not-too-distant future with something else, but in the in, in the meantime, it's goodbye from us. Toodles. Bye. Bye. So, there you have it, lovely, lovely listeners. That was what we had to say on Christopher Eccleston's return to the role of the Ninth Doctor and various other nonsense as well. We'll be back again in a week or so with another episode. Don't know what it'll be yet. I suspect it will be something improv because we like to mix it up and whilst we can't currently do our standard episodes, we do have the facility to create these, these other humorous things and we like to do that for you. So join us next time and we'll see what that episode holds. Until then, cheerio. <laughs> There we go. That was interesting. <laughs> you two all right? Yeah. Are you just tired? I think that's it. Yeah. It was really nice listening to you guys talk, and so uh, it was just—it <laughs> was just nice. And so I, we were able to listen to you talk, and you talked me to sleep. And <laughs> oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> I don't know what Darren's building, but it's intriguing. I'm cutting up some gammon. (laughs) Are you peeing again? Yes, he always pees when he's cutting up gammon. (laughs) (laughs) Washing up water. You're cutting up washing up water. That's clever. No, I wash the knife up, haven't I? Oh, that's nice. Okay. Okay, take care.
like to get involved with Doctor Who's liners in any way, there's many different ways that you can do so. Obviously, we're always looking for cast members. So, if you just fancy having a go, having a go at a bit of improv, the more people we can get involved, the better the chance of actually recording something and therefore producing new episodes for you to listen to. Uh, so, you can reach us through Twitter, through Facebook, any one of us you can speak to, myself, Kat, Suki, Robin... So, any one of us, just let, let us know that you're interested and we'll get you in, on board and you can have a go. You can also, if you like, try your hand a bit of editing. My new job is taking up a lot of my time and therefore I'm not getting much of an opportunity to do much editing and I can't do much at the moment anyway because all the files are in the ether. But if we produce new stuff, it would be nice if somebody else would like to have a go at that. So you can do that. Obviously, if you fancy producing sound effects, music, ideas for plots, ideas for uh, characters, anything like that, we'd be more than grateful to receive them and we'll instigate anything that we can for you. And of course, it always helps to uh, boost our, our ratings, boost our public profile, if we can get likes and comments on things like iTunes. So if you've listened to the podcast and you like what you hear, just stick a few stars on it for us. Just write a little review. It would be very much appreciated. And if it gets us out there, more people hear us, more people might be interested in joining in. We might get more cast as a result of that. It keeps the podcast going. So any assistance you can give us in that direction would be very much appreciated. And as mentioned previously, we will be back in a couple of weeks with our next episode. So until then... Cheerio. From all of us here on BBC One, a very good night. Good night.